Actually, check your notes, because after Trump lost like a dog, I'm pretty sure what he said was, I'm so depressed I've stopped cheating. Did you stack this audience with a bunch of Trumpers? <laughs> Probably. <laughs>people it is monday december 4th 2023 and i did not stack that audience with trumpers i stacked it with sanity that's exactly what happened yes if you did not see it i was finally about 20 years in the making on real time with bill maher on friday that's why we had no friday show we got the the call while i was doing the live show on thursday quick flight out there rearranged a bunch of things it was sort of ironic because I was en route, literally on the plane, going to California as the big Newsom-DeSantis debate was happening. So I'm leaving the free state of Florida to go to California for one of the few things that could drag me back to Los Angeles. Uh, I was able to watch some of the debate. We will be covering a bit of that today since I wasn't able to do it on uh, on Friday. Uh, but mostly what we're gonna do today is frame the show around my appearance on Real Time because I wanna give a couple points of credit to, to Bill and the real-time uh, producers because they said to me, what do you want to talk about? You know, Bill wants, obviously, we'll talk about Cali and Florida and DeSantis and Newsom, and we'll talk about Israel, and I was pushing on some of the free speech and big tech stuff and Elon and all that, but the show ended up really being framed around a lot of the things that we're covering here, and I think I did pretty much as respectable a job as one could do, uh, defending the ideas I talk about here while still engaging in an, in an honest and, and hopefully a bit funny way at times. And uh, we're gonna unpack a whole bunch of that. If you wanna join us for the post-game show, join us at rubenreport.locals.com. And even if you don't wanna join us for the post-game show, uh, you know, when we didn't do the live show on Friday at 11 a.m. as usual, I was able to alert the locals people, because they get push notifications when I post things and all that stuff. So if you just wanna stay in touch with us, and that that is all for free, that's all for free. It's just rubenreport.locals.com. So yes, I am feeling quite good. I think it was a really great appearance. I suppose it's not really for me to say. I know the producers were happy and Bill immediately said, you'll be back and all that stuff. But I, I laid out my case, we did everything from very fine people on both sides, Donald Trump, we did the Newsom DeSantis stuff, is Musk an anti-Semite, and sort of when does the left go a bit too far. So let's start with, this was about halfway through the show. We, oh no, this was on the overtime segment, right? Was this overtime or during the main show itself? It was, this was on the main show. So the way they do it, you have about 25 minutes on that panel. You know, they had the original interview was with David Mamet. That was the one-on-one -on -one that Bill did. And I've had David Mamet on the show, incredible playwright and author. Uh, so Bill and him did the one-on-one -on -one for about 10 minutes. Then they throw to the panel, which was me and James Carville. For those of you who, who don't remember James Carville, he was huge in the sort of 90s, early 2000s, uh, major player in the Bill Clinton machine and the Bill Clinton presidency and campaign and all that stuff. Uh, anyway, he's a Democrat strategist, uh, but you have about 25 minutes on the main show. And then we did about a 20 minute or so bonus show that's on YouTube. And I think they air that on CNN, probably the only time in my life I'll ever be on CNN. Anyway, on the main show, uh, they were obviously talking about Trump. I kept trying to direct things towards a better alternative, perhaps that Florida DeSantis alternative, but they kept going to Trump, Trump, Trump. 
And then very fine people on both sides came up. Take a look. I'm, I'm getting ready for the next Trump term already. Uh, he says he, under his administration, under his administration, his next one, schools will teach students to love their country, not to hate their country, like they're taught now. I gotta say, this one doesn't bother me so much. Because I think that, I mean, this is what I see when I see kids demonstrating these progressive, progressives demonstrating for Hamas, the most illiberal people in the world, that, oh good, we're gonna give America its comeuppance, asshole America. This is, they kind of have been indoctrinated this way. Vulnerabilities in the party, James, the Democrats have a big split generationally on this issue. The kids seem to be with the Palestinians. And the older generation seems to be with Israel. Well, the kids are with TikTok. They're with whatever TikTok tells them to be for, basically. Well, that is where a lot of their... What what, what were the good people on both sides of Charlottesville? I don't know. Did I hear that or did I make that up? That Trump said there are good people on both sides. He, he didn't say that. He did not. He, he, well, he well, said it, I, I, but a I, I, sentence I, I, later, he said, I'm uh, not talking about the white supremacists and, and the oh, neo-Nazis. Oh, well, uh, yeah, after. <laughs> it's like, you know, it, 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 really, it uh, was badly know. phrased. I it think was, we can okay. agree on it that. It was inelegant. Yes. Yeah, it was inelegant. Okay, so I know I didn't say much in that segment, but I think I said the thing that needs to be said. We have heard this hoax endlessly for years. Uh, Joe Biden, when he launched his campaign video, you may remember this, he said the reason he was running for president was because of what Donald Trump said in Charlottesville. Now, of course, I have debunked this a million times. Several other people have debunked it, but it keeps getting repeated, even on real time, and of course on CNN and MSNBC and everywhere else, that Donald Trump said there's very fine people on both sides, uh, meaning that there are meaning that somehow neo-Nazis and white supremacists are good people. But of course, that isn't what he said, because a sentence after he had condemned the neo-Nazis and the white supremacists, we've got a quote from Trump himself. You had some very bad people in that group, but you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. Uh, the reporter says the neo-Nazis started, started this. They showed up in Charlottesville to protest. Excuse me, excuse me, they didn't put themselves. And you had some very bad people in that group, but you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. You had people in that group, excuse me, excuse me, I saw the same pictures as you did. You had that people in that group who were there to protest the taking down of, to them, a very, very important statue and renaming of a park from Robert E. Lee to another name. So you get the point, when, when he was talking about very fine people on both sides, I know you guys know this, he was saying on the debate as to whether we should take down statues, not whether white supremacists are good people or not. Uh, anyway, one guy who has been hitting this, probably even harder than me for years now, is Scott Adams. You guys know Scott Adams, he's a friend, creator of Dilbert, legendary cartoonist, and I would say a guy that end, has ended up being a Trump supporter who describes himself mostly as a lefty, but he does not like hoaxes. Uh, Scott gave me a little credit, so we thought it was uh, worth showing you. First, Dave Rubin. Well, he didn't say that uh, because a few, minutes, a few seconds later he clarified that he was not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white supremacists. And now James Carville fact-checked on the biggest hoax in American politics, would you like to see it again? Maybe the finest day in American politics. How long have I been waiting for this? 
<laughs> How long have I been trying to get rid of this stupid hoax? Now, it, this won't get rid of the hoax, because the people who are sold on it will still be sold on it. But here's what we do know. James Carville knows it was a hoax. We do know that. <laughs> now, you tell me, do you think anybody in the audience caught this? You know, do, you, do you think that the, at least the Democrats who are watching the show, do you think that they caught that? I don't know. But maybe a few. Maybe a few people just became pre-Trump. The reason I'm showing you that is not to have Scott Adams say nice things to me, but it is, uh, or about me, it's to, the, it's to illustrate the last part. Maybe a few people caught on to it. You have to understand, not only did Joe Biden launch his campaign with this, but for years the mainstream media has been using that Charlottesville moment as a moment to try to prove that Donald Trump was somehow in it with neo-Nazis and white supremacists. I went on really the biggest lefty liberal show and debunked it. Now, it doesn't mean that the whole audience is gonna be like, holy cow, we better Google that, and maybe Dave's right, but they didn't have any pushback. James Carville, he blah, 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 and Bill then said it was inelegant what Trump said, which wasn't much of a defense, considering this is what they have said has been the biggest, craziest you know, proof of his white supremacy and his Nazi Hitler loving stuff. So that was, that was just one little node that I put in there. And I think that that's, if I learned anything by this being my first appearance, is you just have to effectively pick your spots. You don't wanna rampage through and, and sort of talk over everybody and everything else, but you can pick your moments you know, some guys talking here, some guys talking here, to lay out some truth. And I think I tried to consistently do that throughout. We'll get into a couple more of those in just a moment as it relates to DeSantis and Newsom. But before we do, let me talk to you about Moink Box. You guys know that 60% of US pork production comes from one company owned by the Chinese, and their hogs are given something called ractopamine, which is banned in 160 countries, including China, yet you find it in your grocery aisle every day. Guys, there's a better way. I want to tell you about Moink. That's Moo Plus Oink. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon straight to your door. Moink farmers farm like our grandparents did, and as a result, Moink meat tastes like it should because the family farm does it better. The Moink difference is a difference you can taste and you can feel good knowing you're helping family farms stay financially independent as well. You choose the meat delivered in every box, like ribeyes to chicken breasts to pork chops to salmon fillets and much more. Plus, you can cancel any time. Shark Tank host Kevin O'Leary called Moink's bacon the best bacon he's ever tasted. And they guarantee you, you'll say, oink, oink, I'm just so happy I got moinked. Keep American farming going by signing up at moinkbox.com slash Ruben right now. And listeners of this show get free ground beef for a year. That's one of the best ground beef you'll ever taste. But for a limited time, M-O-I-N-K box.com slash Ruben, moinkbox.com slash Ruben. And now back to me. All right, so the other thing that really took up, I would say, the first 10 minutes of my appearance was Florida versus California, and of course, Ron DeSantis versus Gavin Newsom. Now, what was interesting about it was every time I tried to bring up a point about Florida, a good point about Florida, or a good point about Ron DeSantis, immediately everything kept getting turned back to Trump. Here is exhibit A. We have kind of a clear idea of what Trump's second term, if he gets elected, is going to look like. Shoot shoplifters on site. <laughs> and I assume if he's... The, I'm from Florida. Don't look at me. You know. Well, I, no, I'm looking at you because I assume if he's the nominee, you will vote for this. 
You're I going to vote for the Republican. I right? want Ron DeSantis to be president. I know, but it's going to be Trump. Is, I, we don't know. Well, we don't 41, know. so he's going to make up 41 well, points? 41 points. I mean, I look at these polls. Like, the polls are from 700 people via text. Okay, and who's lying now? the course now? of two weeks. Who's no. lying now? No. You, you, think, you think DeSantis is going is to beat Trump for the nomination? I, no, or, or Nikki no, Haley? I told you who I want to win. I don't know what's going to happen, but nobody knows what's okay, going to happen. Okay, so, but I if think, it, if, but I think it, if he wins Iowa, then anything's okay, possible. But, so, so, Michael, George Santos is having a better year than Ron DeSantis. DeSantis is throwing spaghetti against the goddamn wall. He's coming on Bill Moore. He's trying to debate new... Hey, wait a second. Am I the wall here? No, but but if uh, a a right-wing Republican that comes on here, he's desperate. You pointed it out when I saw the clip of him on the show. The fact that if you were ahead, you wouldn't be here. Yeah. Okay, I mean, but he did exactly it, no, 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 no. He did reason. exactly what we all want candidates to do, which is talk to the other side. Right. So I, I was here that day with yes, you, and I and, and and I I think it was for him to be here and lay out his case is actually what we and all want. Isn't, it, isn't it what you were just asking? Taking for? advantage of desperate politicians is my business. Okay, first off, credit where credit's due. That's a great line by Bill. That's funny. Okay, but I think what you can see there is, again, I consistently just try to calmly lay out a position. Nobody knows what's going to happen. You can tell me whatever the polls say in 40 points, 50 points, et cetera, et cetera, but nobody knows. And I also said you got to look at the polls, and these polls are often by 700 people. It's via text and everything else. The real reason I bring it up, though, is it's fairly obvious to me that the liberals, the lefties, and I say this now as as someone that I consider myself friends with, Bill, they really want Trump to be the nominee, right? Because they think Trump is far more beatable. Also, I was glad that it came up uh, about DeSantis going on his show because, yes, what do we all want? I thought we all wanted people to sit down with people from across the aisle and do all that. Moments before that, Bill was giving Gavin Newsom credit for being with Hannity, so it's like you can't then attack DeSantis for that. But I wanna illustrate something about the points, uh, sorry, about the polls, because Bill's point was, oh, you're, you're not believing the polls. So I saw a poll from Trafalgar yesterday. I wanna read a tweet that I put out this morning, and I wanna dive into these polls a little bit more, and you guys tell me what you think. So here's what I tweeted, Monday morning thought. As I mentioned to Bill Maher on Real Time on Friday, these polls showing Trump is up by 50 points are all ridiculously flawed. Check this by Trafalgar, which is supposedly reputable. 1,084 people responded over four days, but the response rate was only 1.4%. So basically 99 out of every 100 people they called ignored them. That's about 100 people who just hung up. Does that seem like a legit sample to you when virtually everyone they reach out to ignores them? Have you ever been called by a polling agency? After three years of COVID, do you actually trust experts and polls? Has there ever been a time in American politics when we have been told we shouldn't have debates and candidates should drop out before the primaries? So now the question is, why does mainstream media keep pushing them? So the poll that they showed, now you can see in the black in the middle, uh, they have Trump at 54%, basically DeSantis at about 17, Nikki at about 16, et cetera, et cetera. The screenshot nationwide survey, I went into the poll, I actually clicked it, right? I actually clicked it. And uh, as you can see, the response rate was 1.44%. So you really need to understand this. They got a thousand people to respond but with a response rate of 1.44% means 100,000 people ignored them. 
100,000 people. So when you see that these polls all have Trump up tremendously, well, first off, a huge swath of people, 99% of the people basically ignored the poll. And then I do accept that the, the Trump base obviously is the most rabid. Nobody's denying that. The question is what percentage of the party is that? Most people seem to think it's about 30%. That means about 70% of the party is somewhat malleable. Anyway, I am not a polling expert. I'm only bringing this up to show you that what I said on real time was true. I have never in my life, and I don't think you have either, seen a time when we are being told that certain candidates shouldn't debate and we should be canceling primaries because of polls and then all you have to do, don't trust me on this, every time they show you a poll, every time you see a poll on Twitter or Facebook or anywhere else, just look at the methodology of the poll. And if you think that 99,000 people ignoring a poll and then 1,000 people are responding and then it happens to choke out the results you want, if you think that that's legit, like it's just not. Uh, but I would also say putting everything else aside, shouldn't we all just be a bit more skeptical of the narratives that are being forced on us especially when it comes to events that haven't taken place yet, right? We should all be skeptical of say COVID things and all of the nonsense that we're, immigration, all the stuff that's happening right in front of our faces, but these elections haven't even happened yet. So why would you concede everything to polls? I think you get my point. Anyway, we then continued on the DeSantis-Newsom debate and, uh, Bill thought that Gavin won. And obviously James Carville, he's a Democrat, you know, a consultant. So of course he said that Gavin won and clearly I was not gonna sit there for that. Slicks, good. Yeah, I'm glad he's correct. slick. You know what they said something about Bill Clinton, the guy you got elected, slick, and he won two. You know, you have to, let me tell you something. In the United States of babies, you have to be a little slick because they can't take the truth. <laughs> <laughs> now what was your take? Well, I know you I, love I suppose, Well, I suppose that he is slick and that he is a, a lizard person, but, oh. but everything, every single... What does that mean? Well, lizards are, are slippery, but every single thing that he said was a lie. Everything he said. Well, I mean, okay. this place, California, and come on, Bill. This place, did you see the homeless encampment right oh, outside oh, this studio? I, I, right outside the studio. I, I actually brought I, some fentanyl. If I you want. talk about I, I, got some. I talk about California's problems a lot, which is probably why Gov Governor Newsom has not been on the show in six years. Yeah. So I don't pull my punches on that. I understand that. Oh no, I'm, I'm not saying, saying you pull your punches, but but yeah. the fact is every number that Hannity pulled out there, whether it's homelessness, whether it's the amount of people that left California to, to move to Florida, whether it's what's going on with all the woke stuff that I know you do care about and all the rest of it, Florida's flourishing, this place is falling apart. So I think I made my case, I think I did it effectively. I've still got some of that fentanyl left if any of you guys want it, let me know. But there quite literally was a homeless encampment on the street, on Beverly Boulevard where the, uh, what is it, the CBS studios, uh, where they shoot this thing are from. And Bill knows that. Now what was also interesting about that was that Bill was like, I've been very critical, so he hasn't been on my show in six years. Well, you're also, Bill, very critical of DeSantis, and DeSantis showed up and chatted with you. So what is it about Gavin Newsom that will not allow him to show up and talk to a guy who's been critical of him, who he also says he's supporting? He's saying that he will vote for Gavin Newsom if he is the nominee. So now I wanna connect this to what happened on Thursday, the day before, which of course was the big Gavin Newsom-Ron DeSantis debate. I know you guys have probably seen some of these clips, but I wanna plow through a couple of them because I think they perfectly illustrate what is happening in this country. We can either be a country of law and order and of <laughs> relative sanity and of, you know, 
I don't know, how about equality over equity and not being racist rather than being neo-racist and everything else, or we can go down the path that the left has been trying to take us. So let's start, uh, here is Gavin Newsom, while debating Ron DeSantis, uh, refusing to say what's in these books. Uh, we all know it's uh, what's in these books that we are banning here in Florida for children. You can still get the books if you're an adult, uh, and it's, yeah, uh, porn, it's porn. Okay, go. Some of the books you're talking about, one is called, the governor just brought it up, it's called Gender Queer, a memoir, explicit pornographic book showing sex acts. Another, Flamer, graphic book about young boys performing sex acts at summer camp. Uh, this book is gay, a book containing instructions on the ins and outs of gay sexuality. Let me finish. Uh, let's talk about it, a book that contains graphic descriptions about how to masturbate for males and females. My question to you, Governor Newsom, those books, do you believe that's appropriate for school districts to teach kids, yes or no? Not, come on, those are not, it's not part of the curriculum. They're not Excuse teaching me, those kids are the, that. that was, not, those are books that were in school. Hold on, hold on. The bottom line is you are on a book banning binge, your state. 1,406 books, 3,362 in this country. You didn't answer, Florida's what about, about those no books? Forward. That's <laughs> not, we don't provide for K through third grade education, that kind of curriculum. It's just made up. These guys make it up. It's part of this cultural purge. Should it it's be? It's just a you, made what grade, up. What grade history. would it be what acceptable? I find, but what I find what offensive, Sean and Ron, what I find offensive is the a very significant number of these books happen to be LGBTQ books. A significant number of these books you think it's happen to be about African Americans. Do you and think I it's honestly fine? Governor, I told do you, you think it's we appropriate don't teach in school? That. We don't teach that. We have sex education in middle schools and high schools where it's appropriate. This is a ginned up, made up issue to divide this country. He's just extraordinary. Like, I, I truly don't think I've ever hated anyone on earth as much as I hate this man who most likely is gonna be president, which could be problematic for all of us. We're gonna to have to look into that. Um, but everything he said there was a lie. He's playing this little sort of semantical game about whether it's in the curriculum or not. We, first off, we know it's in schools. It doesn't mean it's in every second grade class, but he's like, well, it's not in K through three. Well, do you think that kids learning about all of the stuff, I don't even need to repeat it, right? I don't even need to repeat it. Hearing Sean Hannity say the word masturbation is not very pleasant. No one on Fox was happy hearing that. Everyone knows this stuff is not, uh, is not appropriate for kids. And at the very least, you should know what your kids are learning, right? And, and of course, of course, everyone also knows that there are some books that are appropriate for some kids at some age, but that should be in conjunction with the parents and the teachers and the administration deciding what's what, not just the teachers being able to secretly teach certain things or talk to kids about sex and gender. You, you guys know all this already. So everything he says there is an absolute lie. By the way, when he then says this thing about a thousand books have been banned. No, there's been a th about a thousand books that individual school districts have, dis have uh, started discussions on whether they are appropriate for what library. So for example, would you want Mein Kampf in the elementary school library? Would that make sense? Obviously not. Would it make sense to have in a high school library? That's up for debate. So these are the things that individual school districts. So what Florida has done is actually given the power back to the parents and the teachers as opposed to top down, but you get it. He just lies about absolutely everything. Uh, here's DeSantis pushing back on Newsom and his nonsense. The role of the schools to educate kids, not indoctrinate kids. It's not to impose an agenda, it's to do the basics. 
And what we've said in Florida is it's inappropriate to tell a kindergartner uh, that their gender is a choice. It's inappropriate to tell a second grader that they may have been born in the wrong body. Now, California has that. Uh, they want to have that injected into the elementary school. Mm -hmm. My wife and I have a seven, five, and a three-year-old. Uh, we don't think that that's appropriate. And I know most parents do not think it's appropriate. Uh, it's also important to respect parental rights to know what curriculum is being used in the classroom, and everything should be age appropriate. I actually have something that I brought that some parents have objected to. So this is a book that's in some of the schools in California. Florida, this is not consistent with our standards, called Gender Queer. I, it's, some of it's blacked out. You would not probably be able to put this on air. This is pornography, it's cartoons, it's aimed at children, uh, and it's wrong. So this should not be in schools. Uh, when people like on the left say that somehow you're banning books by removing this from a young kid's classroom. No, this is not age appropriate. And so we're going to stand for the rights of parents. I think we need to do that nationwide. I don't think you can have a situation where some states just trample on the rights of parents. Parents have a fundamental right to direct the education and upbringing. I mean, that's just DeSantis at his best, like calmly, coolly just telling the truth. You know, it's, it's, it's so hilarious how the left has dragged us into the abyss. You have to have a presidential candidate standing up there with a cartoon of basically kids having sex, that's what it was, that he has to black out because they can't show it on Fox, right? Remember when he did a press conference a couple months ago and he tried to show it and literally the, the local Florida news had to cut away because they felt it wasn't appropriate to show on television. Fox could not show it and yet, Newsom over there thinks that kids should be seeing those books. Like we all know what the truth is. So that's just him. That's DeSantis, I would say, doing peak DeSantis, just calmly cleaning. He's cleanly, he's not angry. It's just like, here's reality. You guys want to join me in reality or not? Uh, here he is just absolutely murdering Newsom. Let me just say something about parents' rights, because he it's says funny. California respects parents' rights. This is rich. He's been telling a lot of whoppers tonight. This may be the biggest. In California, if you're a parent in Iowa or New Hampshire or South Carolina, your minor choices. child can go to California without your knowledge or without your consent and get hormone therapy, puberty blockers, and a sex change operation yeah. all without you knowing or consenting. How in the heck is that well, you know honoring parents' rights when you're bringing people from out of state to go around their parents' backs and getting life-altering surgeries? That is radical. That you know, is Ron, extreme. These kids that is an assault on live. parents' rights. You know what? Ron, it's not this for is, you to decide. These, it's for the parents to it's decide. The, you know what? And the these parents do not want, want their kids survive. going I to these this, other honestly. things. Man, he is so evil. It's like my jaw is dropping as I'm watching it, even though I've seen it 10 times. Newsom, these kids just want to survive. Think how psychotic that is. So an eight-year-old in Florida says that he is a girl. That means that by California law, he is allowed to go to California against his parents' wishes and get all of these drugs and Newsom and chop up their genitals and everything else. And Newsom thinks he's the good guy because they just want to survive. He wants to own your children. Like it is as simple as that. He wants to basically show your kids porn and chop their genitals off. Generally, that would be thought of as someone that's a bit weird. Not when it comes to California. Uh, anyway, here is Newsom getting very, he's very offended because uh, he's just offended because he's so mean to Santis. Let me, let me stay on a follow-up. Let's turn to, to the issue of Where's education. decency and humanity Let's, and grace when it comes to of taking, ripping somebody away. Gentlemen, gentlemen, please. No, nobody can, nobody can hear you. That is wrong. That is wrong.
Where's your decency? I'm trying to get as many children here to chop their genitals off. Where is your decency, sir? And then it got even worse. It wasn't just that DeSantis didn't want children's genitals chopped off and he didn't want children to see pornography. He also mispronounced the vice president's name, which I do on this show every day and I'm just going to continue to do. Joe Biden is in the pocket of the teachers union and so is Kamala Harris. That's why they fought the way, school openings Kamala when, Harris. when he Shame came in you. there. It's Kamala when they had Harris, that in Ron. There. It's Kamala Biden came Harris, into office Madam and he Vice brought in the teacher to union to be Harris. able to do Stop all these different things to try to keep the schools closed. I just asked uh, Connor if he could bleep me in real time. He is unable to today. Um, could one of you scream? No, just like you got it. If you're if you're watch, if you're listening on the audio podcast, I'm saying the F word. I'm just mouthing the F word. Like, where is your decency mispronouncing her name like she's the Queen of England? You are just awful. Anyway, just one more because then DeSantis mauled him. Because of course, Gavin Newsom was the mayor of San Francisco, and San Francisco has turned into a literal shithole to the point that they have a map. There is an app with a map that tells you what street you should avoid because there's human poop. And basically the map is all of San Francisco. Enjoy. This is, needs it. This is a map of San Francisco. <laughs> there's a lot of plots on that. You may be asking, what is that plotting? Well, this is an app where they plot the human feces that are found on the streets of San Francisco. And you see how almost the whole thing is covered because that is what has happened in one of the previous greatest cities this country's ever had. Human feces is now a, a fact of life, except when a communist dictator comes to town. Then they cleaned up the streets. They lined the streets with Chinese flags. They didn't put American flags there. They cleaned everything up. So they're willing to do it for a communist dictator, but they're not willing to do it for their own people. Beautiful, just beautiful. And look, the, the poop app and the poop app is real. And I assure you, having walked on the streets of San Francisco, it's, there's poop, there's blood, there's, there's needles. There's everything you can think of. You guys know exactly what DeSantis is talking about. When Xi Jinping went to San Francisco, what was it, two, three weeks ago, they cleaned up the city. And guess what? It's all coming back. There are a ton of videos. We should have grabbed one for you. There are a ton of videos coming out of San Francisco this week now since they've removed the barriers and everything. I don't know where they temporarily put those homeless people, but they are back. The drugs are back. The entire Thing. So look, the point is, guys, that although DeSantis, by any objective standards, I'm sorry, I, I, look, I'm opinionated, you're opinionated, we all have our own blinders and anything else, but by any objective standard of what would have been considered sane 20 years ago, DeSantis obviously mopped the floor with this lizard person, but Newsom is a massive warning signal to America. He represents something about what's to come if we do not stop the radical leftists, the corporatists, the, the one world government people, the, the, just because he stands there in a suit that fits well and smiles and because he's slick. And we all know that doesn't mean he's decent or right. It just means that he's slick. It means he's probably really shallow. And it means he's probably really fascist. Yeah, there I said it because fascism, of course, is the connection between it's the it's the unholy alliance between corporations and government. And that is something that a guy like Gavin Newsom absolutely loves. So now I wanna connect this uh, to more broadly what's happening across the world right now. Uh, Tucker Carlson went on the All In podcast. You know the All In podcast. Uh, my friend David Sachs is one of the co-hosts over there. Uh, and uh, Tucker talked about how Newsom represents the exact type of fascism that we better be watching out for. I also think that 
once you decide that like, hey, let's just go crazy, and you couple that with true social disorder, like you get to a place where you can't buy anything at CVS because it's chained up because shoplifting has been legalized as it has been in California, what you're going to get is fascism. Because people can't live in, in that, in, they can't live with chaos. Like that's the one thing they can't deal with. And I've covered a couple of wars and that was my main conclusion. The main problem with war is not that people get killed, it's that people have to live with total uncertainty and craziness. And that's incompatible with what people want. Like that's the, that's the worst thing. You know, die, we're all gonna die. Dying is not the worst thing. The worst thing is living in chaos. And we're starting to live in chaos. And so the return to order is what scares me. I think it'd be very easy. And I do think Gavin Newsom is a fascist. I think he's the kind of person who would have no problem, no hesitation about using the DOJ to, to imprison his political opponents. Now, Biden is imprisoning his political opponents, but at least they're lying about it. Gavin Newsom is the kind of person who'd be like, well, yeah, you're, you're a threat to the general order and you're going to jail. And I think because we're in a moment of chaos right now, people kind of want that, actually. I think one of the purposes of degrading and confusing our society is to make way for authoritarianism, even more than we have now. Um, so that kind of freaks me out. Yeah, all right, Tucker's making a really deep point there. When you see the chaos on our streets, and we're gonna get to some of that in just a moment, when you see what's happening in New York City and San Francisco and Portland and that they can jump the turnstiles, as you know, and they can steal all the stuff from the drugstores and you can steal a PlayStation 5 and four games as long as it's under $900 from Best Buy and all of those things, the chaos, the utter chaos, when they just take over the streets and you can't go over that bridge because we're protesting for a terrorist group across the world and all of those things, the chaos only lasts for so long because people cannot functionally deal with that over time. And eventually you can feel it. Can't you feel it? That they would be glad to usher in an authoritarian society. And I really believe that that's what Gavin Newsom was testing out when he brought Xi Jinping in and he suddenly said, see, I can clean up the streets. I can do it because the communist dictator is here. And look what I could do. And the homeless people magically disappeared and he had his fences up and it was clean and they power washed the shit off the streets and everything else. And then of course, Xi Jinping leaves, all hell breaks loose again. That's what's happening on the streets again. Because eventually over time, Tucker's right, people don't ask that much. We don't ask that much. We're so distracted with our phones and video games and whatever the nonsense of the day is, all of modernity has left us kind of inept, right? Like we don't ask for much. We're just kind of blobs out there and we'll just take whatever they give us. But at some point when your city is endlessly burning and you can't go into stores anymore and all of those things, then you might demand a real authoritarian leader to clean it up. So now I wanna connect this to something else that happened on real time because one of the things we started talking about uh, later in the show was how there are a bunch of uh, staffers at the White House who are not happy with Joe Biden's policy as it pertains to Israel and Gaza and they're protesting uh, and, uh, well, take a look. A couple of weeks ago, members of the White House staff protested against their own president. Uh, we are congressional staffers on Capitol Hill also. The, uh, also these people did it. And we are no longer comfortable staying silent. Well, you're staffers. You're supposed right. to say silent. What are you talking about? Yeah, you fired this, 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 My boss is doing a shit job and I thought right. I'd go public with it. I mean, this is hundreds of people in Biden staff and on, on uh, Democrat, con congressional Democrat staff <laughs> who are publicly going against them because they're not supporting Hamas enough. You fire them, period. You fire all of them. That's it. 
It's not, it's not up for debate. If you, had, if you had five staffers standing outside saying Bill Maher's the devil, what are you gonna do? You're gonna fire them, right? Of course you're gonna fire them. It's as simple as that. You fire these people, but the inmates are running the asylum. Yes, you fire these. If I could agree with that guy, we gotta play more clips of that guy. He's good. Yes, you fire them. It, it, but it, you see how this is connected to what I was just talking about and what Tucker was talking about. In a city where nothing works, we don't have rules anymore, right? You jump the turnstile, you break the laws, we'll selectively decide who we're gonna prosecute and everything else. And then at the federal government level, these, these staffers, they're there, they're hired to do the job of the administration. You vote for the president, you vote for Congress and the, and the Senate, you, right? Your representatives and the senators. If the staffers don't like what they're doing, you fire them, that's it. But, but we are watching the collapse of all of our systems. And the real question is not what happens during the collapse. We're in the midst of the collapse right now. The question is what happens after the collapse? And as Tucker's pointing out, that's when the fascists show up. That's when Gavin Newsom shows up and he uses the power of the corporations with the power of the government to, to put in the most authoritarian, say 15 minute cities, whatever it might be, say a social credit system, because people will beg for the control at that point. They will be like, oh my God, everywhere I go, uh, there's a chance of being raped or murdered. I guess I will take all of that authoritarian control. And how do we know that this is happening? Well, look what's going on out on our streets. I think we showed you a little bit of this from last week, but here are pro-Hamas riots in New York City, right by Fox News and Rockefeller Center, going after Christmas. You'd think that, okay, fine, go for the Jews, but could you ease up on Christmas? Well, no, not for these people. Uh, scroll, scroll. Okay, so that was in New York City, but of course we know this is not just in New York City where there are no rules anymore. You wanna shut down a street, you wanna walk into private property and disrupt them, you wanna break some windows, whatever the hell you wanna do, it's New York City, go for it. They basically don't have a police department anymore. You have people that have, you know, they have outfits, they're wearing police uniforms, but they don't really do anything. And of course that's not just in New York City, here is uh, the Hamas people going after Christmas in Chicago. Now again, I believe in peaceful protest. It is, it is one of the tools that you have as a free person in a free society. When we, when we sort of get to the tipping point where everything that brings us together, say the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree, a Christmas tree, like even, even though Christmas is a religious thing, like there are things that culturally bring us together, the spirit of the season, all of those things. Like if, at, if we have decided you can close roads for whatever reason you want, you can protest at Fox News and go enter the lobby in Fox News, which actually that is illegal, but nobody was arrested for that either. You can climb up on monuments, you can vandalize things, you can pour uh, blood, you know, paint that's effectively blood on the, on the steps of the White House. You can do all of these things and you can just keep getting away with everything. Then we have no law. And then what will happen? Order. People will demand order, right? That is what they want. By the way, speaking of Chicago, because they did, uh, they did protest the Christmas tree in Chicago, uh, this was a very good weekend for Chicago. I guess the Hamas people did keep people distracted. Only 13 people were shot in Chicago this past weekend, only one dead. So congratulations, he was a 13 year old boy, um, but congratulations 
to Chicago uh, because only 13 people were shot. Who, who said the Hamas guys are doing all bad work? They're keeping everybody so distracted, they're not shooting their neighbors, hot diggity dog. Okay, but now as we have these people rampaging through our cities and nobody's doing anything, do you think there might be a plan? Do you think that some bad people elsewhere on earth are watching these young people who have no idea what they're screaming about, calling for the river to the sea, and they have no idea of history or anything else, and they're going after Christmas, and it doesn't seem like anyone in the West is standing up against it. We're just allowing it to happen. And by the way, if you went to say Paris, or if you went to London or Brussels or Amsterdam, and you said to them, hey, do you think we should do anything about this? Like how'd it work out here for you guys five, 10 years ago when you didn't do anything, when they started chanting and everything, they would all go, oh shit, you guys better do something about it now because it's much worse now. Uh, well, here is a, uh, a Palestinian uh, leader. This is in Jerusalem. Now remember, Jerusalem's controlled by those pesky Jews over in Israel, but they still allow the Muslims to pray and do all that stuff. And at the Al-Aqsa Mosque, which was built on top of the ancient Jewish temple. That's where Jesus used to pray, okay? These are facts. Uh, so who what do you think was there first if they built it on top of the ruins of the temple? I can, you can figure it out. You don't need uh, an abacus or anything else. Uh, here is just this past weekend, uh, a Palestinian Muslim leader threatening to conquer Europe, uh, especially he's not happy with uh, Paris, especially France. You're going down, buddy. <laughs> you got a problem, Macron, right? Because there are now millions of these people in your country. And do, they, do you think they care about the history of France? Do, they, do you think they care about the current day of France in any way where French people will live free? And by the way, French people are allowed to be secular if they want. They're allowed to be atheists. They are telling you. They are telling us all what they want. And we have the beginnings of it here in America. And the problem is that every time you talk about this, what happens? They call you a racist. And we have to be able to discuss this a little more cleanly. So I did try to do that on real time as well when we started discussing immigration and the problem that is now happening across the world. It's not about skin color, but it is about culture. So Cul what happens is matters. all of these people, whether they're in France or Belgium or any of the countries that you just mentioned, they're realizing, wow, we've got literally millions of people in our borders that are chanting for genocide and gas the Jews and the rest of it. And by the way, it doesn't stop with the Jews, right? I mean, they were at the Christmas tree in Times Square yesterday or two days ago. So people are realizing that and they're looking for anybody, and for some reason they always come with crazy hair, that will, that will fix some of this stuff. So I, 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 I kind of have trouble. I think your question was, is the election in, in the Netherlands, is that somewhat a harbinger of a for Do you want a short, truthful answer? Along? Yes. Yes. It does. <laughs> okay? It does. It, yeah. Because people, but understand this, people like immigrants. Okay? Right. What they don't like is disorder. And when you become the disorder party, whatever it is, you pay a price. Now, 
One of the reasons that we have in this problem, this is what 3.6% unemployment does for you. You think we're the only people that know that? Or you think, and by the way, somebody, if you got a woman that lives in Honduras, and she walks with a 10-year-old and a 6-year-old to the Mexican border and wants to come in this country, come on in, lady. You're a motivated person. We need you. Period. No, right. no, okay. you can't come. Yeah, we have, we have a border. Yeah, we have a border. Yeah, we have a country. Yeah, you, you either have a country or you every, don't. I every mean, border had refugees. Every border has asylum. Yeah, but you can't just okay, let them I'm, walk I'm in. Sorry. That's what I'm, the issue is. I'm, okay, now what I sh I think I, again, I think I held myself with class and dignity and told the truth. You either have a border or you don't. You can't let everybody in. And what Carville did there, and look, I, I spent some time with him in the green room beforehand. You know, one of the things, I did learn one thing actually by doing the show uh, or on Friday, which is that I went into his green room right before we did the show and I just wanted to say hi to him. We've never met before, right? So I just, so we chatted for about 10 minutes and he's a perfectly lovely guy off camera. So there were moments, there were a few moments where I could have hit back a little bit harder and I kind of held my punches a little bit and I realized the next time I go on this show or one of these other shows that you shouldn't say hi to the guests beforehand because, because then you, you do, or at least my nature, my inherent nature would be to go a little bit softer. But he did what the standard Democrat lefty line on this is, right? So he seemingly cannot make a distinction between illegal and legal immigration. He's also talking about this woman with kids from Honduras who's traveling 600 miles to get to the United States, and he's gonna give her a job. Well, I should have turned to him and say, well, well James, what are you hiring for? Because I can probably find you an American who would do that job. So, but he says it and people applaud like, oh, I'd give her a job. And everyone just like applauds like seals, like, oh, James Carville's so nice. He'll give a Honduran woman who walked 600 miles with kids a job, but he's not hiring. What's he hiring for? He's a Democrat strategist. These people don't produce anything. I, I'm hiring right now. We just hired a new guy. He's moving to Florida next week. But like, but this is what they do. It's like, oh, you're such a good guy. You just, it's, and oh, we have unemployment here, so everyone should be able to come. Anyway, I think you see that I made my point. But the segue to all of, uh, the segue that I wanna get you to right now is that when you are a good guy, they will usually call you a bad guy. Because if you say, I'm for borders, they will say, you are racist. Now, what, of course, what did that bring us to that was the big story last week? Well, it was that everyone was calling Elon Musk an anti-Semite. We have literally hundreds of thousands of people across the world chanting for genocide of the Jews. There's some confusion as to whether those people are anti-Semites. But Elon Musk, who has opened up Twitter, allowed us to uh, share the horrific videos of, of October 7th freely, who's gone to Israel, who's wearing dog tags uh, from the survivors, like all of the stuff. Uh, I was asked on real time whether Elon is an anti-Semite. For Dave, what did you think of Elon Musk's trip to Israel? Do you think he no longer harbors anti-Semitic and conspiratorial beliefs? Oh, well, he never had anti-Semitic or conspiratorial beliefs in the first place, but well, Elon Musk is not an anti-Semite. There are plenty of anti-Semites out there. You called a whole bunch of them out during the show. I mean, Elon Musk going to Israel was absolutely great. I think too many people now don't believe anything they see, but they do believe Whoa. Elon Musk, so him going there and saying, I saw the 47 minutes of footage, he's wearing dog tags of, uh, you know, from one of the families okay, that well, lost their kids. I he, mean, it could. There's a lot of anti-Semites out there, but Elon Musk is not one of them. Okay, that may be true. That may be true. I think Bill knows, and Bill interviewed Elon, we played some clips of it, what, two months ago? Like, he knows he's not an anti-Semite from one, I would say, slightly inelegant, shall we say, uh, tweet that Elon sent. 
Elon obviously is not an anti-Semite right now. I actually, uh, I tweeted out that video and Elon did see it. And uh, true, he wrote true. He is not an anti-Semite. I'll take his word for it. Uh, but why is it that Elon Musk is getting attacked about everything? I wanna jump back to a clip we showed you last week because I think this was quite right. He's getting attacked because he's trying to do good. And when you try to do good, a system that is largely bad will always go for the good guys. Take a look. Tesla has done more to help the environment than uh, all other companies combined. It would be fair to say that, therefore, as a leader of the company, I've done more for the environment than everyone else, any single human on Earth. How do you feel about that? No, no, I, no, how do personally. I feel about that? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm asking you personally how you feel about that because this goes, we we're talking about power and influence and-, I'm, and saying, I'm saying what I, what I care about is the, the reality of goodness, not the perception of it. And what I see all over the place is people who care about looking good while doing evil. F them, okay? It's just great because you can see it. You can see, as I said last week, this thoughtful, interesting guy who's done an awful lot of good and he's made some money along the way. And as I said last week, even if Teslas weren't good for the environment, they're freaking awesome cars and that's cool too. But what he has had it with is the people who pretend to be good, the virtue signalers, who are out there waving Hamas flags, calling for genocide while pretending they are the good guys. The people who will gladly try to destroy Twitter for defending free speech while they put their boot on the head of everyone who dare says anything against them. And the beauty, the beauty of what's happening right now, and, it, and maybe we will not win this, this existential battle, but the beauty of it is that courage begets courage, right? If you tell the truth, it's a Jordan Peterson-esque idea, if you tell the truth and stand up for that, what's right, maybe somebody else will. And Elon has done that, and I have no doubt that you're trying to do it in your own life, and I'm trying to do it, but now it's even breaking through to mainstream media. So Greg Gutfeld, who's obviously a buddy of mine, I think I'm gonna be on the show in New York in, in January, we're trying to figure it out, but Gutfeld, uh, listen to this. Now Gutfeld is a truth teller in the first place, but watch how he got a little extra brave here at the end of this segment from a couple days ago. It's like extorting Jerry Nadler with salad. <laughs> or blackmailing sports fans by threatening to cancel PBS. <laughs> the fact is, Musk may be the last man standing between real freedom of speech and the suffocating block of the censorship industrial complex, which is made up of government, media, and tech forces. He realizes that advertisers have no spine and can be easily cowed by special interest groups in cahoots with political allies. If you don't believe me, I got two words for you. Tucker Carlson. <laughs> Ooh -hoo -hoo. Wow. Wow. Look at that. Huh? You think courage begets courage? I mean, think about that, right? You heard what, Tuck, what uh, Greg says there. He then says Tucker Carlson, basically saying, hey, my network, the channel that this thing's on right now, took out that guy. He knows what he's about to say is going to kind of get him into crap. The audience starts laughing, then reverses the laugh. That's not what usually happens at these shows. And the panelists are all like, whoa, hey, whoa, what show are we on? <laughs> you get the point, guys. You get the point. And by the way, if Big Pharma bails on Fox, if Big Pharma bails on MSNBC and everywhere else, they don't know where they're going to get their advertisers. So I give my friend Greg Gutfeld 
an awful lot of credit. I give you credit because I have no doubt that you're being brave in your own life, however you can, and you just gotta keep pushing it. One guy who is being uh, brave in his life is new Argentinian Prime Minister Javier Malay, and he is the uh, the focus of Me Monday today. Here's the one that I put up over there. Congratulations, Javier Malay, on becoming the next president of Argentina, and I think you can see what we did right there. Guys, if you wanna join us uh, for the post-game show in just moments, rubenreport.locals.com. People of the internet, where we take your calls, will be live in about an hour. Uh, we have two mini interviews that we put up. The, the week was just so freaking busy. We had to do a couple mini interviews. My interview with uh, Brian Kilmeade from Fox and Friends. He has a new book out about Booker T. Washington. Uh, that's up right now. And my full interview with Andrew Clavin, who also has a new book out. Uh, they're both up across platforms. Just quick reminder uh, that we do have a new Twitter slash X account for clips for the show specifically. It's at Ruben Report Show, so give a follow if you are on that platform. And I leave you with one more clip of me on real time. I am pretty sure I got Bill Maher an Emmy for this one. See ya. Most of these people are not far right by any way that we would think of far right in that, they, they, like that they're racist. I, I actually met with Orban in Budapest and I talked to him for a little while and all he kept saying was, you know, I love Hungary, that's all. I love my people, I love my country. That's it, I don't know what accent that was, but that, that basically... <laughs> that's that's I, a but dead that on impression of him. Something. Uh, uh, um, but, can, you, can you do but, his walk? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.